Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to episode 5 of the Lifestyle Chase. Today here with me is the one and only Ruhi. How are you doing today? Good. Cold, but good. Cold? Well, I mean, like it could get colder. That's true. It's not Calgary. Yeah, like how much snow did they get? Too much snow. Like a foot or something. Way too much snow. What was your day like today? What's a typical day in the life of Ruby look like? Um, typical day. All right, well, usually I wake up bright and early around, depending on the day, either around five or six. And if I'm not teaching a spin class, then um, I'm usually heading to the gym first thing in the morning lifting some iron, doing that fun stuff, and then um, head over to the clinic and work all day. And then, I don't know, that's it really. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite lift to do in the gym? My favorite lift? Um, what is my favorite lift? They've changed. I think deadlifts now are my favorite. Sweet. Did you learn to breathe? I've learned to breathe. That's good. Yes. That's exciting. Yes, gotten better at that. That's awesome. So, I've always seen you as someone who is really relatable. What was your childhood like? I like to dig deep and kind of figure out, like, what was a person's upbringing like and find out why why I kind of connect with them so much. Um, my childhood, I mean, was pretty typical. I'm lucky. I've got a great family. Um, I'm an only child, so, you know, my parents are really just my best friends. Um, which means we fight all the time, but you know, <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I, you know, this little girl running around and, um, I used to do things like dance classes and I used to play the piano. Um, so my parents were always taking me from activity to activity, doing all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Um, I had, I, so I, I did have a, a little brother who unfortunately passed away at 10 months old, but, um, you know, so that obviously shaped a lot of kind of, I guess, where my life would eventually end up going. Um, kind of sucked. I always wanted to have a sibling, but I'm really lucky and blessed to have an amazing family. And, um, my cousins and I on both my parents side are really close. So they basically act as my siblings. So they boss me around and I get to boss them around. It's fun time. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you grow up in Edmonton? I grew up in Edmonton. Yeah, born and raised here. Uh, lived here basically my entire life other than the small move we made, or I made, I should say, to Australia to do my master's degree. But other than that, nice, Edmonton nice. always been home. <laughs> in school, were you like a popular kid? What kind of clique did you fall into? I wouldn't say I was the most popular kid. I think I was bullied a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think at that time, I mean, it it wasn't as maybe severe at the time as what you would call bullying to be when we were growing up. I think now there's a lot more attention being brought to that act of bullying and how it can be sort of portrayed in so many different ways. And I think when I was growing up, it wasn't really... Um, 
it wasn't really like that. Like, I think that if, you know, people sort of pulled your pants down or threw you in a locker or something, that would be considered bullying, whereas that didn't really happen to me, thankfully. Um, but, you know, I wasn't necessarily treated with the utmost respect growing up. Um, funny, actually, I just read an article, I think, or I heard something about this just a couple days ago, where they were saying that, you know, um, girls have sort of always been taught that if boys make fun of them it's because they like them and I remember I remember teachers telling me that at a very young age and so I kind of just thought oh well you know whatever but um yeah I wasn't the most popular kid I wouldn't say I wasn't the least popular kid I was kind of just in the middle and sort of was striding the line there but you know you have your your cliques that sort of aren't the nicest to you and then the cliques that are really really nice to you so were you like an academic? Were you into sports? Were you a nerd? I was none of those things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, technically, I guess I was an academic. I didn't really. I mean, I wasn't the. I wasn't the smartest kid in school by any means. Um, I think. I mean, I guess you could say I was sporty, but not in terms of like actual sports, like in like hockey and that kind of thing I I did I danced a lot so that was just sort of what I did growing up I did tap ballet jazz um and that would kind of be my social life with my friends and I would always have the best time doing that kind of thing so nice how long did you do dance for um I, I danced till I was 17 so okay. and I probably started when I was really young like three or four it's just like everybody that does dance just like started young and then pretty much go until it's either can be a career or just like a yeah I think like when I finished high school I just knew I would be busy with university and school and that kind of thing that I and it wasn't as much of a priority for me anymore I didn't really love it I was kind of just doing it because I felt like I had to do it at that point um but I mean, I missed it. I missed it after I stopped. I was like, oh, that was actually really fun. To get well, you to did that, that Drake stuff. challenge on Instagram. And I was like, how did she learn to dance like that? Yeah, I don't know how I learned to dance like that. I remember going into into junior high. So in elementary school, I went to um, Tempo, so a private school here in the city. So we actually didn't have, like, phys ed or anything like that, which is probably why I wasn't a very sporty kid. Um, but I remember in junior high school, you know, you started to get, da they had dances and stuff like that. And I remember going to my first dance in grade seven thinking like, I don't know how to dance. Like, I don't, you know, like I, I've been choreographed, but I don't know how to dance. So, um, I remember all throughout junior high and high school, I was always like, oh my God, I could never do this. But, um, I don't know. Then the Drake challenge came and apparently I did something good. So just owned it. Just owned it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the feedback was pretty incredible. That was fun. How many views did that post get? Did you check? Doesn't really matter. It's got like a thousand fifty, I think. Holy which shit. Which is more than what I have followers, so I'm not really sure how that works. Um, and I'm not a public profile, so for me that's pretty high. That is <laughs> um, it's like somebody's in their basement just watching it over and over. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> the truth will come out. Hit They're probably up. listening right now. They probably are. Hit <laughs> me up. Hit me up. Totally. Um, so you're pretty highly educated, I'd say. Tell us the journey of your schooling. Okay. So, um, so uh, after I finished high school, like most kids, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Um I teetered a lot. I actually was thinking a lot about pharmacy initially. 
I liked chemistry, even though I was terrible at science. Um, but my favorite thing, I guess this is kind of a nerdy fact, my favorite thing was to balance chemical equations. I don't know why I liked it, but I really <laughs> liked the challenge. Um, so I wanted to be a, a pharmacist, and then um, I do have, a, a, my cousin's a pharmacist, and some friends are pharmacists as well, older friends. And the feedback never seemed very good in the field. Maybe the people who knew me just maybe knew that it wasn't really for me. I don't know. But they didn't seem to love their job. And I really wanted to do something that I loved. So I sort of kept searching. Um, and then I started thinking about, you know, like, why did I, why else did I want to go into pharmacy? And a big part of it was because I wanted to help people. And I didn't really know how I wanted to help people. So, of course, you know, my parents being typical were like, oh, be a doctor, you know. So I, I, I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. I knew I didn't want to be a nurse. I really didn't like hospitals um, or that kind of thing. So it just wasn't really where I wanted to go. So I started to look into rehab. And um, I looked primarily into um, occupational therapy and physical therapy because those were the ones I knew about. Um so I started shadowing and taking some courses to learn a little bit more about that, and I found it interesting. And then my uncle, who's a doctor in Calgary, a family physician in Calgary, um, mentioned speech pathology and audiology, which I didn't know anything about. In fact, I'd never heard of it, especially an audiologist before. And um, so he just kind of brought my attention to it, and then um, I started... Um, yeah, just shadowing more in those kinds of places and really liked the idea that I could help people without necessarily having to be in a setting that was so clinical or so um, sort of like in a hospital even or anything like that. Like you had a little bit more options. And then deciphering between the two of them, um, speech pathology, I felt like for me was a little bit too gray area and I like to see a difference right away. So I kind of liked how audiology was um, a little, I mean, there's still a lot of gray area, but it was a little bit more black and white as compared to speech pathology. Um, yeah, and so it was It was a long journey, but you know, I, I'm so glad I did it. So initially I actually did my undergrad in elementary education um, because I, I've always had such respect for teachers. And to be honest, as a kid, I thought being a teacher would be really cool. But I'm, I'm so glad I did it. I learned so much about the profession and I had the most fun being in university, taking the courses to become an educator. And I feel like there's so many skills that I've learned doing that, that I get to apply to my everyday job. But, you know, if I ever have a family or anything like that, I think that there's a lot that I could apply for my children as well, being that I was a kid that struggled in school. So um, I got to do that and then as an elementary education degree you don't have a major your major is general so you get to pick your minor so I chose my minor to be in educational psychology because that gave me the opportunity to take courses like ASL American Sign Language as well as um, just some deaf studies courses so while that's not the same as what I do because I work with the hearing hard of hearing population um, I got to learn a lot about the deaf culture which was very interesting and I found it to be very helpful because I have had clients come in who's who has who have maybe family members who are deaf and you know you need to be respectful of that culture and it really allowed me the ability to do that because I, I don't think I would have known a lot about it had I not studied that so it gave me a little bit of a background there and then um, of course then I got to do my master's in audiology so it just gave me a lot of a back a lot of background in that kind of culture and that type of um, you know what that some people do struggle and gives, gave me the ability to help people that were having a hard time in certain situations whether it be children 
children, um, you know, young adults, adults or seniors. So I don't know if that really answered your question. It but... did. That was cool. <laughs> like just like such a process, but so many tools for your toolkit that you could take away from that. Yeah. Which I think is great. And I think everybody should have that. Yeah. So I think it's nice that I got that opportunity for sure. And you lived in Australia for a bit? I lived in Brisbane for two years. Every September, October, I think about why I came back, because it's cold. Brisbane was great. I loved it. It was warm. It was such a great city. Um, initially, it was definitely the smaller of the big cities that were there. And I kind of thought like, hey, if I was moving, why did I move to the smaller of the three cities? But it was the fastest booming. Um, it was great because it just gave me access to so many different people and types of people and um and it was the warmest we didn't get cold so in the middle of winter we I still wore shorts during the day so it was it was the best what was your favorite (laughs) thing about Australia the culture was really fun um I liked that I could walk around everywhere I I enjoy taking public transport um just the life, the life, it, it's relaxed life. It's not as fast paced, but yeah. it, you still, people still get things done in a timely fashion. It's not like super laid back and things will happen when they happen. Although some people do have that mindset. Um, I really liked that. I felt like you got to enjoy every single day. Do you keep contact with a lot of people from there still? Yeah. Um, I have some friends who were actually originally from Canada who now live there. Um, I also have a couple of classmates who I was really close with. They were probably my favorite people in terms of getting to learn a lot about the culture, um, who I love and adore dearly. And they're still out there and they're both audiologists practicing out there too. So yeah. Do they ever visit you here? One of them did. One of them came to visit um, with a friend of with a friend of theirs. They kind of just did a drive-by, but they came to Edmonton <laughs> for a few days, which was nice. Um, I haven't gone back yet, but it's on my it's on my wish list of places to go because my cousin's actually um, out there studying right now too. So I want to go while she's there, so I can spend some time with her too. So get her done. Yeah. The thing about Australia is what I've heard about it because I've never been, but I have friends that have gone and I have like a cousin that does her work out of Australia she's lived there so long that I forgot what it's like for her to live in Canada Mm -hmm. and uh it's just such an easy transition because it's same same but different kind of thing like different different animals different climate but sort of same general like commonwealth type culture kind of thing yeah it's and it's it is different but it's also it's nice to be so far away yet have the same language as well which I think is like a really big barrier when you go to other places so you don't feel awkward (laughs) because you can still communicate with people and you can still understand what's going on but still have the ability to sort of um, indulge in the culture that's there because it is different from us like I would say while they are a commonwealth I think like going to the UK is still different from here while they're a commonwealth. I would say Australia and the UK are a lot closer in terms of their culture than, than here. We're a little bit more Americanized, I'd say. But... Yeah. Who parties hardier? Harder, not hardier. <laughs> <laughs> Australia or Canada? I'd say Australians do. Yeah. How so? 
Well, they, you know, like they're, they're the culture of, you know, going to a pub after work on a Friday night or going to, you know, going free drinks or something is very common there. Whereas I don't think it's as common. Like I think at least, at least maybe not for me. Um, I find that here people will go and they'll do things that tends to be later on. So you'll see people like say on a Friday night, people will go out, but first they'll go home and change and like do all that stuff and then go out. Whereas there you'd see a lot of people coming straight from work on a Friday in their you know, like we'd see a lot of men in their suits and women in like really cute outfits coming from work, going straight to a place where they would have drinks and dinner and stuff. And those places would often then eventually turn into like a, a like a, a club or like a late night lounge or something like that. So people would just not go home until like five o'clock in the morning or whatever time they'd go home. Um, so it was very different. Whereas here I find people do party hard, but I think they like take a break and they go home and they relax maybe take a nap and then go out after you've got to see some of the locals at central social hall i tell you yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's true that that place is bumping that place is bumping they get there they came straight from work and they don't leave until somebody asks them okay well there you go (laughs) maybe it's just me (laughs) so we met each other through spin what brought you to the bike and whose class would you say you rode most often when you were starting out as a rider? As a rider, of course, I rode the most infamous of all spin instructors in Edmonton, Farah's class, all the time. Um, of course, our music um, always aligned, which made it a lot easier for me to ride her class. So um, that was kind of what I did. Um, what was your first part of the question? What brought me to the bike? What brought you to the bike? Um, I had, uh, so I moved, um, from, from the South side out to the Southwest. And so I needed a new place to work out. And I, I was never really a gym goer. I didn't really know a lot about it. And I met, uh, Farah and a really good friend of mine, Rahana, who both used to spin all the time or they do still do, but were at that time spinning all the time. And they sort of tried to convince me to come to a spin class with them at five thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> And I told them they were crazy and that I was never going to do that. Um, so they really just tried really hard. They're like, just come, you'll be with us. Like you won't be alone. And I thought, okay, I'd never taken a spin class in my life. And so, um, I thought, okay, I guess, I guess I should try it. So I went on my own. Um, one, I think it was a long weekend Monday, I think was the first class I went and it was, um, uh, like at six or seven o'clock in the evening. And I went to a class by myself and I didn't die. So I was like, okay, but I had bought, uh, this like two week unlimited pass. So I was like, well, now that I bought it, like, I'm not going to not go. So, um, it was obviously easier to have people come with you. So the next two, the next day was a Tuesday and I woke up bright and early to get there for five thirty. Luckily I lived two minutes away, so it wasn't so hard to get there. Um, and yeah, that was my first time on the bike and I, I really enjoyed it and I had never done any cardio, excuse me, any kind of cardio before that I enjoyed. I hated cardio other than dancing, which when I was doing that growing up, didn't feel like cardio. It just felt like I was dancing and having a good time. Um, so they kind of, yeah, they sort of convinced me that I should do it and I enjoyed it and I, I finally like had a good time. And what I found that I really liked about it was spin brought me in the zone and whatever um, trials and tribulations I was going through at that point in my life, I felt like there were moments in that 45 minutes where I would just all of a sudden forget or I would really focus on how I was going to get past it 
or focus on how it was just going to be there for just a little bit of time, just like that pain going through that sprint was only going to be for 30 seconds and then I'd get, it'd be done, you know? And so, um, I think it just, spin has brought a lot, brought a lot to me to learn how to focus and just to be very, um, kind of selfish and learn how to put myself first to, to, um, kind of get through things that might have been more difficult for me at that time. Very relatable. The funny thing is like when I started into spin, like I went to a couple classes with a group of people and it was like, I was going because I was with them. I wasn't going because I necessarily had the idea to go to spin. And then after some things happened, then I was like, okay, I need like, I need something to get me more fit. I need something to clear my head. I need something for a reset. And I was like, well, I pretty much died in that place. So I'll just sign up for the two weeks unlimited. (laughs) I was like looking through the schedule and I was like, all right, I've ridden like two classes. I know two of these instructors. And I was like, which one am I going to ride? And I was like, well, 6 a.m. is the only one that works with my, my schedule. And so your class was like that first Aww. one where I went to. And it was just like me going in on my own in a scary place, scary environment. And then like as it went on, like when I was at that studio, yours was like the one that I went to the most probably. Aww, that's so nice. it, was a, <laughs> it was a cool experience. And just... That, that's probably why you're relatable because you're someone who went through pretty much the parallel universe and like obviously like I've resonated with the, the messages that Far has put out but I've also resonated with the messages that lots of other instructors have put out and it's just totally that, that chance to be a little bit selfish, to reset, to, to tackle things that are shitty in life and to kind of realize that you can overcome it, but you're also in that space with other people that are going through the same stuff and it kind of feels like you're not alone. That's that's a great thing about spin, which kind of answers my next question, but we'll ask it anyways. What's the most valuable thing that you associate to spin? Yeah, I was thinking about that one. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think the fact that it, it does allow you to be selfish um I think that that's something new that I've learned like I had never really thought about I I always thought being selfish meant something negative and I think it still does mean something negative but I think that there are two definitions to being selfish and I think being selfish in order to make yourself better so that you can exude better energy for those around you I don't think is a negative thing And I think that we often forget that we need to be selfish and better ourselves so that we can, um, so that we can be a better person for other people. And so I think having to sort of look within yourself and finding something that will allow you to do that is really important. Now for me, that's been spin. That doesn't mean it's going to be spin for everybody else. And, you know, people that have been through really hard times that might be similar to things that I've been through, you know, I try to encourage them to find something. And I always tell them, you know, for me, it was spin. And if it's something you want to try, I think it's worth trying. But don't feel that if it doesn't work for you, that you should feel discouraged or something like that. Because we all have to find something that's that works for us, right? We're all individuals at the end of the day. So um, spin has given me the ability to find the strength to fight for myself. And I think what I really like about it um, is 
yeah, what I really like about it, I think, is that you can do it at your own pace. So I think that while you might be riding with a bunch of other people, you know, they might be having a really good day that day, or maybe they're just really tired, but they just wanted to come for the love or the energy or something, right? Um, so maybe their tension isn't as high as your tension, or they're not working quite as hard as you're working. It doesn't matter, you know? Like, I think that we, I think that every piece of growth is a piece of growth so I don't think that like as long as you're challenging yourself whether it means you're challenging yourself more or less than you did the last time it's still it's still a space for growth and it's you're as you're just not remaining stagnant in that moment right Um, and there are days that we are all stagnant there are days that we don't push ourselves as much as we possibly could because for whatever reason but I think that as long as I think that you can pick yourself back up and at some point come back and just say, okay, today's a new day and today I'm going to start fresh. It's, it's really important. So back to the point, I think that, um, spin has given me again, the ability to be selfish, to look about, to look into myself and see what my self-worth is and what I need in order to better myself, um, so that I can be more confident and then do better in other things that I'm doing, whether it be in relationships and friendships in um, in work in in sleep, like in whatever. Right. So that's such a good takeaway. Like people forget to give themselves permission to sort of put themselves first. Right. Uh, there's so many like empathetic people out there that kind of feel like they need to be serving others over and over but like who's who's going to prioritize them kind of thing and it's okay to some people talk about uh being able to say no and it's a good concept because if you're not taking care of you nobody else is going to be able to take as good care of you as yourself kind of thing well and i I, exactly i totally agree and i think i mean i i think to be very honest with you as as harsh and as blunt as this is like nobody gives a shit about you like people care about you and they want the best for you yeah but nobody can nobody can put you first like like as an actual priority now i would say not even your parents like your parent they will obviously but they will have to sacrifice themselves in order to do that right and i think that um and even then they can't do as good as you can do for yourself right they'll try their their ultimate and their absolute best to do that but they can't or a spouse or whatever right a partner and i think that i think that we very very much forget that no nobody is going to be able to make you a priority as well as you are so you know, and I, I think that I've done both worlds. Like, I think I've, I very much put other people in front of my needs. And I, I think I still sometimes do that. And, you know, it's hard because I think people get upset when you're not there, like, for them all the time. Because now you've just kind of decided, hey, like, I just need some time for myself. And they're upset because you were never like that before, right? But, I mean, you have to live with yourself at the end of the day. And if you're not happy with, you know, being able to do X, Y, and Z, then who like then what you know so I think that I think that unfortunately people will not like that you're putting yourself before before them but you know then if they're your friends or if they really want to be in your life then they'll understand that you need to do that for you and if they don't then it is what it it, is yeah let it lose (laughs) right like do you yeah let it play out (laughs) I think like really really good people in my life always find a way to be in my life yeah that's what I like about really good people and it's just a matter of, like, taking care of yourself first. Because, like you said, like, nobody is better at taking care of you than you kind of thing. Yeah. It's a really solid takeaway. And I think, well, I'm hoping that people actually listen to that and that it resonates. Because 
there there's a lot of people that will just give 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 and then somebody just takes away what they've given and then they're just they're in the middle of a lake in a canoe without a paddle yeah spinning circles because yeah. they got ditched yeah it's no good so we all face a lot of road roadblocks and obstacles in life what's the toughest thing you've had to overcome and what were the tools you used to get through it I'm not going to say what it was, <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you the tools that I used. I think that, <clears throat> I think that learning to be selfish was what it was. Like, I think that I found that in, in, in that experience, I found that I, I wasn't being selfish enough. I think I found that in that experience, I was allowing external things to control, control me. And I, you know, coming out of that instance and sort of looking down on myself you know, after all that, I sort of realized that, you know, like no one has control over me, but me. And so, you know, there were, I mean, there were mornings I woke up where I, I didn't want to wake up. There were, there were mornings where I was just like, ugh, like, I just want to sleep. Like, I don't, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to talk to anybody, you know? Um, but when I would sit down with myself and I would think about like, why am I feeling like that? Like, why don't you want to get up and go to the gym? Why don't you want to get up and go to work? Why? And when I realized that it was those, you know, those forces that sort of were dictating why I wasn't going to go because I was up all night thinking about it. Um, I realized that, Hey, like you, you or, you know, these things no longer have control over my feeling anymore. And so because it no longer has control over me, it doesn't get to dictate what I'm going to do. So if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. And that would be my motivation to get up and do it because these external things could no longer control me anymore. I wasn't in a position where I needed to be controlled by those things, nor was I controlled by those things. So allowing the space to be there for that, for it to feel like it could control me, was what made it very difficult. So to wake up and convince myself or really just listen to myself and saying that like, this is for me, this is about me, allowed me the strength to get up and just do things. And while every day was different and while every day the outcome was not always the same, there were more days that were, you know, that put me, that I put myself first and there were that I didn't. And eventually they just were far and few in between. And Mostly, most days, <laughs> I'm more selfish and I get up and I do things because I want to do them because I need to do them because I feel like they're going to make me better. It's a good way to answer it. And, like, that gives people something to work with because there's obviously going to be, like, with, with spin instructors, with trainers, with people who are kind of in the public eye a lot, um, there's going to be people who kind of, they, they like this person, they like what they put out, and they have this illusion that uh, that person is up on a pedestal that they never feel weak that they never struggle and so putting you on a podcast and having your people hear you say that you know like you have days where you struggle where you have to actually think hey I am going to put myself first that is something that's extremely powerful for people that that need to hear it sometimes like you can't say it enough that everybody is like the same boat doesn't matter if you have like 2000 followers on Instagram, doesn't matter if you fill up a spitting class, doesn't matter if you write a book, like everybody has bad days. So it's good to hear and good to, to have like that tool of like, Hey, just like put yourself first, be a little selfish. Like nobody, nobody's going to do a better job of taking care of you kind of thing. Well, yeah. And I think that being selfish and putting yourself first doesn't always mean that it's something that you want to do. 
sometimes you're just doing it because you know it's something you need to do um, to put yourself eventually in that place maybe later on in the day to feel more comfortable or more confident, you know? Like, I mean, there's days that I don't want to wake up and go to the gym sometimes, but I know often by not doing that that throughout the day I'm going to feel a little bit more sluggish. I'm going to be a little bit off my game because for me it helps me remain focused personally. So, you know, those days where I know I'm going to have a long day and I'm thinking like, oh, I have the longest day. I don't want to wake up because I just want to sleep for that extra hour. I find that, you know, those are the days that I need to get up even more. And so usually I'm good at peeling myself out of bed and getting (laughs) it done. But we all have our days, right? And you do need rest and don't, don't forget that if your body craves that, then give it out. But, you know, um, sometimes it is a little bit of mind over matter. I agree. Yeah. So if present day Ruhi could give 20 year old Ruhi one piece of life advice, what would it be? Put yourself first. Solid. That's like our, our theme. Yeah. Like self-love. Yeah. So in Edmonton, what do you do for fun? If you're like, I'm a party. What, what does that look like? I do like to go out and dance. I won't lie. That's probably one of my favorite things. I don't do it often, but you know, if I, if I, could if you know if I could go to a club in the middle of the day I probably would (laughs) um Edmonton we need more daytime clubs in the summertime um yeah that would probably be my funnest I, I I love listening to music and just dancing and having a really good time so you might have caught me doing that Drake thing on video but that's basically my life when I'm by myself all the time (laughs) so where's your go-to place where's where's your watering hole Everybody has one place that they're like, okay. It used to be. It used to be fluid. If anyone out there remembers fluid, that was my that was my my spot with my girls. Um, it's now Avenue, which I don't think I've, I may have been to once. Um, I love Central Social Hall, and I love going to. Um, shout out to Silk and Entendre too. They're awesome out there, and I love those guys. Corey and Stefan are like bomb. So. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to pick when you've got so many people doing so many amazing things in the city for real. And I'm just the type of person that wants to support everybody. <laughs> so when I go out, I just try to rotate between all my all my places because I, I don't really know. Um, yeah, but yeah. that makes sense. And it's cool. Like we we have a city with so many choices. There's places where it's like, well, if if you want to party, you got the one place where you party. You got the one place and it's got the one beer or the one wine and you take that home. Yeah. So it's nice to have options and like multiculturalism and entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, (laughs) I'm not even going to say the word. It's too early. Too early. Um, so what does your life look like when everything is in place? What does your ideal life look like? What is your best life? Do you have a kid, a dog, an Escalade? Do you uh, move back to Australia and surf the waves? <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Not that I ever surfed while I was there. Um, I just want to be happy, I think. I just want to live in a place. Does I don't care. I mean, yeah, okay, in an ideal world, I would live in a place that it was warm, like maybe something like California, where it was like decent weather all the time, close to the water. Um, I love that. Um, I'd like the ability to be able to walk around everywhere and not have to wear like 10 layers and a parka. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I really don't think it matters where I live and I, I love this city. I, I love Edmonton. It is, it is home and it will always be home. Um, 
I love the people here. And I remember living in Australia thinking like, hey, if I could just pick up the city of Edmonton and move it in this climate, I would be happy with that. Because I think I just love the people here. I just don't love the snow. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like winter. I don't like winter. Um, That's where spin's really fun because it feels like you're just walking into like the Caribbean or something somewhere just listening to the best stuff and having the best time um, and nice and hot and sweaty. But anyway... Um, yeah, just, just to be happy. Like I just, I, I want to just be, um, I'd love to have a family one day. I'd love to, you know, um, be able to, um, have my, my parents close by. I'd love, I'd love to live in a city where I could have all my cousins in the same place as me. I think that would be, that would probably really make my heart really happy. Um, yeah. Are you an animal person? Uh, I, I wasn't, um, I, I like dogs now, (laughs) it took me a while, but I do, I do really like dogs. Um, I don't know, a dog entered my life and I fell in love with him and, um, yeah, I, I loved, I, I, I loved him a lot. Um, but you know, there are, there are a lot of work, (laughs) um, not that they're not worth it, but they are, they're a lot of work. And, um, I think that, I think that I'm not enough of a homebody to be able to take, to be a fair caregiver to a, to a puppy. So I, I don't think I would get one because of that. But I think if I had like, like a partner or, um, a roommate or, you know, someone I lived with who, um, who, could give the puppy that I would I would be all for it but yeah definitely a dog person sweet I did we did used to have a cat when I was little although she ran away when I when I was two um that was sad but she wasn't it wasn't because she was in our care so we'll just we'll just say it was the person's fault fair enough fair (laughs) enough when I grew up like we had a good like 20 cats oh wow and they would just (laughs) migrate to the place that had the best food yeah and a lot of times we had the best food. So, I mean, we had a lot of cats, but you didn't really make personal connections. Sure. But then out of that group, there'd be like one or two that you bonded with. But I'd say even having known all those cats in my life, I'd go with dogs if I had the choice. Yeah. Like just, we don't deserve dogs. Dogs are so friendly and like they, when you're sad, they're sad. Yeah. When you're happy, they're happy. They don't even know what you're happy about. It's and pretty incredible. Yeah. 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 But... I definitely agree, like, with uh, owning a dog, per se, like, that's a big commitment. Like, that means you actually have to, like, be there for that dog. You can't be so much selfish anymore because the dog pretty much needs you. Yeah. And so I just kind of look through Instagram and enjoy other people's <laughs> dogs. Like I think it's just, like, too, with my line of work, like, I, I'm, I, I'm not able to work at home where I work from home. I think if I could, it would be different. I mean, I, and if it was feasible for me to bring my dog to work, I think it'd be different. But I think just with the lifestyle I have, I don't think that I'd be, I wouldn't be a fair owner. Yeah. That way. Yeah. Just got to train it on all the audiology equipment, get it to push all the That buttons. would be awesome. Can you just test people's hearing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love my job. It's so fun. It's so fun. Totally. Uh, well, what's your favorite thing about your job? I love how many people I get to meet so many people, so many different walks of life. Um, being an audiologist is great because you get to meet um, all different ages of children. Like we've got, I've got a 17 month old that comes in and I've, I think my oldest client is like 98 or something. I'd have to double check, but 
we've got I've got everything and everything in between so it's awesome you you learn a lot of people um you know you forget sometimes when you're not in the world in in the world or in the industry where you're around a lot of like bands and things like that but we've got so many musicians in the city and so many people who come through um I've got a really great client who um, gave me a CD of his band, and it's just, like, so cool. It's it's amazing. Who's it's the amazing. most famous person you've ever tested the hearing on? I can't say. Oh. Like, just they're that famous? No, I or can't say. Cause it, well, no, because it's, Because it's got mean, so many famous people that you don't want to make the other famous people sad. I mean, basically. No, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's confidentiality, too, right? No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Legit. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't argue that. <laughs> if you were to give our listeners one piece of advice on authentically living life to the fullest, what would it be? My mantra, while it maybe doesn't necessarily flow with the rest of the podcast from today, is um, actually, I don't know. My mantra is this. Do unto others what you want done unto you. That is my mantra. So I feel like if you, if, yeah. It speaks for itself. I don't really need to explain it. But yeah. do you want to others what you want done unto you? Yeah. That makes sense. I like it. Well, thanks for being on the episode. Thanks, Chris. Make sure to give it all the <laughs> shout outs that you can. I know. I'm trying to think. Come visit me at the Audiology Clinic Edmonton if you want anything to do with your hearing checked or hearing protection. Right, Chris? It's important. Yes. yes. If you want to come check me out at a spin class, I'm at YEG Cycle on White check out chris who's you got a new new project launching invigorate training invigorate training if you need some personal trainings and you need to learn how to breathe while doing deadlifts he can definitely help you with that it's important <laughs> just shout out to all my people thanks for listening to me